Welcome to episode 75 of the Gunburners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here on the recording tonight. Alabama uh, improves to 7-1 and one with a 30-6 to six victory over Mississippi State. Wasn't pretty, especially on the offensive side in the second half. We'll dig into that. But, you know, they do get a solid 24-point win. Uh, Mississippi State scoring on the last play of the game. So, you can even call this a, a shutout. I know everybody desperately wanted a shutout, but – uh, Miss State sneaks in on the on the last play of the game to to make it thirty to six. Alabama with a a cover. They were favored by twenty one points, and uh, and covered the spread. So, a lot of good things happened in this game, but also a lot of bad things. It still wasn't a complete game by any means. Uh, but guys, Lester, it seemed like for the first half of football in this game, you got a sense of hope that oh, my gosh, Alabama is finally clicking on both sides of the ball at the same time. And you've got – I guess, I guess it, it ended up being a false sense of hope because, you know, little did we know the offense was going to sputter tremendously in the second half of this game. But tell me your feelings on the first half play. Alabama goes into the break up 24 to nothing. Mississippi State can't get anything going on the ground. They can't get anything going through the air. They're not converting. Um, on Alabama's side of the field on fourth downs that they had to go for. Um, and then Alabama's offense was clicking. Pass game was working. Bryce is doing his thing. Jameer Gibbs found the end zone on a 19-yard run. They're, like, faking reverses. Because on the 19-yard run, guys, Alabama fakes a reverse. And I can't remember if it was the corner or the safety, but somebody just went flying across the field. And there was just nobody there to tackle Gibbs once he got past the second level. So, Lester, break down the first half and give me your assessment of it when it seemed like Alabama was finally going to put together its first 60-minute game, both offensively and defensively, effectiveness-wise. Yeah, I mean, it it, um, looked – well, the the box score – you know, seven in the first half and, what, 17 in the second quarter? Well, seven in the first quarter and 17 in the second quarter. Um, it looks good. We're looking at the scoreboard, but I'm not as optimistic about that first half as you are. They did, they did Yeah, they scored. Um, they did what they were supposed to. But it just – it didn't look like – on the offensive side of the ball, it just didn't look just that – cohesive like you got Georgia Earl with the 31 yard uh, reception you know Gibbs then you know Treshawn you know hey good good for Riker to make a 50 yard field goal good for that guy he needed that but it was it was okay they did what they were supposed to do against that team but I expected so much more out of this offense against this team I expected so much more and I expected I expected it to look different um 24 points in the first half, that's that's great. That's a reason to be optimistic. But it just still quite wasn't what I wanted it, what I expected it to be. So that's – I'm just kind of lukewarm on the first half for sure. Well, you know, we had 200 yards of total offense. Of course, 175 of those came through the air. Alabama only rushes for 26 yards in the first half. Um, but, you know, four out of seven on third downs, only one penalty – on either side of the ball in the first half, um, you know, Alabama only gives up 140 yards on defense in the first half. But that does make sense because of the way Kentucky was able to run the ball on a Mississippi State two weeks ago. <clears throat> you thought that Alabama could really control the ground game, and Mississippi State really got to work on that. J-Law, was it a case of Mississippi State – making adjustments throughout the week from the Kentucky game to the Alabama game, or is it still the same old thing that we've been, that we've been crowed on this podcast is Bill O'Brien's just run scheme is just bland. Or is it a combination of both? What do you think? Yeah, I, I was, you know, going, I thought that the game plan overall, especially after in the post-game press conference with Saban saying that Bryce hasn't practiced at all in three weeks is, Let's go in here, get the win. Second half, we're up big. We're going to leave you in so the receivers take it seriously and run routes. But if you're even th- if you're even thinking about rolling out of the pocket, throw it up, throw it away. So I thought offensively, the passing side was was you know just fine in the first half, outside of the separation issues. But the run game, man, 
with Dalcourt in the game, we cannot run the football. I know it wasn't great last week with Seth, and that was because Tennessee was bringing eight, I mean, seven, well, six and seven a lot of times and bringing gas in the fourth quarter. But in the first half of this one, I mean, there's a lot of plays where I thought that could have been somewhat easily either diagnosed by Dalcourt or Bryce or Bill O'Brien or somebody to say, all right, these guys are dropping seven. It's going to be five versus four advantage us, and we're going to be able to run the ball and it just never really materialized for this team. So, um, you know, I I just I, – it's tough to peg Alabama in this game because of the injuries, because Bryce is still banged up, Seth McLaughlin banged up against Tennessee – um, so I don't know, man. I think it's very vanilla. I thought the game plan was vanilla. I know you sent us a post on Tider Insider that said that Bill O'Brien even thought that his own game plan was bad. And you guys know how cocky these offensive coaches are. They've never had a bad game plan. So for somebody to say that Bill, or at least have a source to say that Bill O'Brien thought that his game plan was bad going into this one. Um, you got to know it was pretty bad, but I told you guys last week, the DC from Mississippi state, man, he's about to be on a lot of hot boards for a lot of, a lot bigger jobs as a defensive coordinator. He did a good job. Take nothing away from state, because if you look back at it, they don't give up a lot of points. I think we've scored the most points on them this year that they've allowed. So, um, not a bad outing for the offense and it could have been a lot worse, but guys, I think I tweeted this from my burner that I won't give the name out to. Bryce had 49 passing yards in the second half. That just feels impossible seeing as how he played every drive but the last two drives. So I don't know. I hope it was just being vanilla second half, but I don't have a lot of faith in Bill O'Brien at all. I guess it was kind of tough to read because I think there's just a lot of factors that the average fan – doesn't understand and what you say makes a lot of sense about you're up 24 nothing at the break <clears throat> you're you you just got out schemed by Tennessee like it's nobody's business you gave up a team high points in over a hundred years um you're you getting beat up and down the field uh tough loss you got their Jermaine Burton situation going on uh we'll discuss that in a little bit and then, you know, like, like you said, you got a quarterback who's not practicing right now. He can't develop any kind of chemistry with his receivers that Alabama needs desperately. Um, you're not running the ball well. The game plan is bad. Let's just get to the bye week. And so probably had a lot to do. But still, with Dalcourt in the game, he's the more physical guy, no doubt. Everybody can see that. But – like we've broken down before on this podcast, Seth McLaughlin, what he does and getting his body turned and being able to seal guys off, everything is better now with with um, <clears throat> with Seth McLaughlin at center. And, uh, yeah, Alabama, they ran for 115 yards against Tennessee. But, of course, you know, being down 28-10, you really can't just be running the ball um, every play. You kind of have to throw, and, and Alabama did that through for over 450 yards. <laughs> But with Dalcourt in there, the offense struggles to protect. Their protection is, is worse than it is with Seth, particularly on the road. Just look at the Texas game. And, um, and then, of course, the games last year that the Dalcourt starred in. And, um, and now it's becoming more prevalent in the run game. Whenever McLaughlin's in there, everything seems to click more. So I really, really hope that Nick Saban and Wolford see this and see that whenever Seth gets healthy during this bye week, that he has to slot right in immediately. Because after the bye week, you've got a road game in Death Valley at night, and then you got to go to Oxford. And guess who has a bye week next week? Lane Kiffin. So you know he's going to be dialing up stuff to try to hurt you and get some cheap scores on you um, because that's their national championship as well. So I, I agree with everything you said about Dalcourt's got to go. Um Tyler Harrell, Harrell, however you say it, uh, did get a catch. Jalen Miro threw a strike. Uh, Jalen Miro looks great throwing the football, didn't he? Um, but moving over to the defensive side of the ball, Lester, it seems it is, I know it's week eight, but has, has Alabama found its opposite cornerback or how, has Alabama found its cornerback opposite Kool Aid McKinstry? Um, I think they found him um, at least six months ago when he announced he was coming to Alabama, when they got him out of the portal. I think they found him then. I don't know what happened between 
six months ago or the beginning of the football season and last Saturday, maybe he got lost in traffic or behind on his studies, had to catch up reading at the library on Saturdays or I don't know, got the coronavirus, he got the flu, that's going around now. But every Saturday from the beginning of the season to last Saturday, he's been gone. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that situation is. But thank God they found him now. He would have been great last week or uh, two Saturdays ago. But yep, they found their guy. He is that dude as advertised. That dude is damn good. From the first play of the game to the end of the game, they pulled him out. They couldn't get anything on Eli Ricks. That guy is a straight-up dog. We got two of them at corner now. Him, Kool-Aid. We just need the rest of the secondary to be just somewhat competent because you're not throwing on the outside on those guys. Even with some of the back shoulder passes that are damn near impossible to defend, Ricks is that guy. He's on it. Clearly, the guy has, I mean, an amazing athletic ability, like first-round NFL talent type of guy. and. Thank God we'll have him for the rest of the season. I don't know where he was for the first half, but he's here now, and I'm so excited looking forward. That is just one less thing on this defense that we have to worry about. One less thing, as long as everybody stays healthy, one less thing is that we have another corner who's a straight-up dog opposite of Kool-Aid. Lester, what do you think it was, honestly? Because, you know, I know you rattled off a bunch of stuff there, but do you think it was the the shoulder injury, or is it a situation like, um, a Kendall Randolph, Javion Cohen early in the, in the year where Cohen was just absent because of rehab or whatever. And um, McLaughlin was absent because of injury. And so Dalcourt and Randolph were, were starting there and he had to work his way back or whatever, because it's very frustrating. I, I look at this as a, a 2017 quarterback situation where everybody and their mother can see that Jalen Hurts did not have the talent at that time of Tua Tungvaloa and that Tua was a better a better thrower of the football, which is what Alabama was going to have to do in order to beat a good defense. Now, of course, they didn't play a good defense until the national championship when they played Georgia, and Saban was basically forced to go to Tua. Um, but a lot of people were screaming for him long before that. J-Law was one. Um, just – it was easy to see. And when Terry on Arnold, a converted safety is trying to play cornerback and you've got Kyrie Jackson, I don't know what's happened to him. What do you think it was? Because this guy's draft eligible. He is a junior and this is not a guy who needs a ton of film. Now NFL scouts look at him and they see six, three, the dude's like stretch Armstrong, man. I mean, his, his hands dang near go down to his knees. I mean, this dude, like you said, Lester, on those back shoulder passes, he just reaches an arm back there and just sticks yeah. it in there. He's beat, yeah. but he just he's got these hella long arms and he just reaches back there and he breaks the ball up. He's got great instincts. He, he's I mean, how many times did he play zone coverage? I, I just don't understand. You didn't bring this guy in to play zone. This guy was a, a is a man to man defender, and you got toasted against Tennessee because you what you played man. So why the hell is your best man-to-man defender at some point? Doesn't talent have to win out? I don't give a shit that the, that the guy doesn't practice hard. Guess who Guess who practices hard in the NFL? Nobody. Maybe a rookie every now and then. But that takes about two weeks and they tell him to chill out. Nobody practices hard in the NFL. At some point, you've got to play your talent. Because this guy's gone no matter what. He might not have gotten any play in time in Alabama and still gone to the draft. You never know. The scouts are going to see him, and they're going to drool over that frame and those instincts of the combine. So now you've got this guy for, what, four games? If you go if you go all the way to the end, what, six, seven games? And for, for seven games, now you just you just sat him on the sidelines? What do you think the case was there? Seriously, I don't know. I mean, I, I – I hope. I mean, shoot, man. I my thing is, I, I told myself I was going to try to be positive on the podcast this week. My thing is, is from how he looked Saturday, if he was hurt, there's no way he miraculously 
cheered himself to look that good on Saturday. Not a limp, not a step slow. His shoulder clearly looked freaking fine. He's reaching up, slapping the shit out the ball, and they can't, they're not catching it. Like, God did not come down and miraculously heal him in a week's time. Okay, we ruled that out. Number two, he did not all of a sudden learn the defense in one week. That didn't happen. Rule that out. So I don't know what else it could have been other than Saban just been like, mm, nah, we'll, we're good. We're going to let this guy who hadn't, who sucked all year long, tortures for five touchdowns in Knoxville. I don't, I don't understand why he hasn't played. Like, it, it, it makes no sense. Um, what defense does he have to learn if he's playing man coverage? If he can't run, if he can't move his elbow, like that, that, like I said, that didn't heal up. It didn't. I don't know. But that was the most. And I told y'all last week, I said, making all these changes now, after you get your butt beat by Tennessee, all it's going to do is make me mad. And it has, because there's no good reason why this man has not been on the field thus far. Now, if he was hurt, you figure they'd say it, hey, exactly. Eli yeah. Rick, a little banged up. That's nothing to hide. You know what I'm saying? But Yeah, because these guys know everything. I mean, last week I, I texted y'all that screenshot of the message board saying, hey, there's a there's a rumor or whatever that Eli Ricks has been practicing with the first team all week. So there's guys on these message boards that know. And if there was something going on with his shoulder that was more serious than we originally thought, I think that would have leaked out. Jayla, you got anything to add on on, on Ricks? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, how how frustrating is it? Because as good as he looked, and he was great, man. I mean, Lesser drools over him. I'm drooling over him. His his talent is obviously there. Okay, for him to slide in with no playing or very little plays uh, played this year, and for him to perform that well against a passing offense, it, it's just tremendous. But how frustrated are you that? Like Lester said, it takes a loss for you to finally make a change and play the best players. Yeah, Eli Ricks could not play another game this year, and he could be a first-round corner. He needed one game on tape, and they could see that he's healthy. Uh, dude, we did, we had 15 passes defended in this game. I mean, that is crazy. I think Eli had eight of them. Kool-Aid had about four. Hellums uh, did pretty well. So, I mean, DB unit as a whole – played the ball much better than they have been. But also, man, just like Lester said, Eli Ricks didn't get healthy in a week. He didn't learn the defense in a week. He didn't miraculously just get better than Terry on Arnold in a week. So none of that, all that stuff's off the table. You recruited Eli Ricks because you had a hole at corner that you knew you had. We have been fortunate that Kool-Aid, has been way better than he was down the stretch last year when he had to come in and play uh, for Job and Armored Davis. So we have been very fortunate with that. But now you're rolling in. So <laughs> your top two corners this year were third string, fourth string, and with Arnold going into fifth string. So Kyrie gets bumped. Arnold bumps down to corner. You know you're going to have a mess on that side, but that's why you brought Ricks in. There's no excuse for Ricks not to be playing. I can understand week one and two still a little banged up mentally trying to get ready because he didn't play at all last year. I could almost understand that. But why does it take you giving up however many yards and touchdowns we gave up the week before for you to say, you know what, I think Eli Ricks is better than this guy. Dude, we know he's better than this guy. This guy was with the number two cornerback coming out of high school in America, consensus five-star. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He has NFL 10-year veteran written all over him. This guy's going to make $250 million while he's playing the NFL. Put him at corner. Play man. We like to play man. This is what kind of kills me. Like, we pride ourselves on being better than the guy in front of us. We like to play man. So it, it just kind of – it is frustrating that we had to take a loss. It also is frustrating that we ruined our wiggle room, which was a singular loss, luckily. Like, we could still have wiggle room to where if you lose to LSU – if you were to screw up on the road at LSU or against Ole Miss and some things happened, you're still in Atlanta. Now that's gone. So we ruined that all because of a personnel problem, which Saban 
either he addressed it right after the game against Tennessee or go in or his Monday presser last week saying, I guess we need to evaluate personnel. Dude, we know we all know the position that you're talking about. And it wasn't Hellum's. Hellum's got set up to fail. It was Terry on Arnold not covering anybody in that Tennessee game and really probably three or four games uh, before that. The guy's been a pass interference machine. He's consistently beat. He was beat another time against Tennessee where Hooker missed it. So, um, I don't know. It, it just, it's just frustrating to me overall because, yeah, you know he's better. Talent has to play. We know that he's more talented than every other corner on our team, including Kool-Aid, and you burned your, your safe loss. There, you can afford a loss. We burned it without our best players on the field, and that's just what's really frustrating to me. And, yeah, now, like, like I said earlier, you have to go back-to-back road games after the bye week at LSU, just curbstone, Ole Miss, top 10 teams, storm the field. And then, you know, Kiffin has the bye week before you, so there's no telling what he's going to dial up against you. He'll have your defense running in circles in, in the comfort of his home field. Um, but also, J-Law, talk about the, the confidence that Ricks brings, not just with himself, but to the other DBs, you, you know, Everybody knows about momentum in college football and, and, and sports in general, how you can feed off of another player's play. And that can and, – and maybe Helms isn't the best cover guy or Battle's not the best cover guy, maybe even Kool-Aid, Branch, Malachi, whoever you want to throw in there. But whenever they see their guys on the outside making play after play after play and he's getting up and he's taunting and he's showboating and he's hype, that naturally is going to get you up, get you high and get you hype. So talk about the confidence that it gives these other DBs, and, and it could have possibly led them to, to play their best game in the secondary of the season. Let's not even talk about his play. Let's talk about everybody on that team that knows that seven is a better option than three. Yeah, because they see and it every day. They every see day. it every day. I mean, dude, they have to feel more confident as a unit knowing. And they're not, listen, Alabama's never going to throw a guy under the bus in public, whatever. Nobody's going to say Arnold in a press conference that Arnold's not as good. But going, you know, ones on ones, twos on twos in practice all week, every week, fall camp, whatever, knowing that Eli Ricks is, uh, is better, that's got to give you more confidence. I mean, it's the same thing as – you bring in Henry Tolotobo to play like you don't. Yeah, dude, people were bitching on the message on a message board the other day saying that uh, Saban is guaranteed spots to transfers. Yeah, you go get a freshman All-American or an all. Uh, well, even Tolotobo was a freshman All-American. You go get those guys. You're bringing them into play when Drake May comes to Alabama next year. He's going to have first team, second team All-American. You're bringing him into play. So they know that he is better than the guy in front of him and gives you momentum. And if you're Hellums, you're not having a second guess what you're doing, you can kind of feed off that. Hey, I got a guy over here that not only knows what he's doing, but heck, he can make up for a mistake. Arnold couldn't barely knew what he was doing and couldn't make up for a mistake. And that puts a lot of pressure on, on the safeties, man, to be second guessing the, the guy that they're supposed to be backing up at corner. And also talk about the, the way that you can call this defense now. It was really fun calling. I bet Pete Golding loved calling defense with PS2 out there. Called you know, you've taken away a hash. <laughs> you've taken away 27 yards of the field. I mean, and that with Kool-Aid, I mean, you're going to be forcing teams to throw over the middle more, which is where interceptions happen. They, You know, you got two lockdown corners on the outside. I think this could be not only just good for momentum for the defense confidence, but, man, confidence for Pete Golding to maybe dial up some more stuff, a little bit more pressure, and to, to force teams to throw the ball in tighter windows for turnovers because we still didn't force a turnover last week. We came close a couple times outside of the punt. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I think it might make Pete's job a little more fun, a little easier, and it can affect, you know, some things that teams have already seen on tape up to this point with Arnold out there. Because if you're weak, Saban said, if you're weak at a spot, dude, they're going to come get you. This isn't three yards in a cloud of dust, and we're going to try to win this game 12-6 to six at the end. If you're weak on the outside – Josh Heupel is going to do what Josh Heupel did, and those things just can't happen. Hey, I want to piggyback off a point that uh, J-Law made with um, Saban guaranteeing these guys' spots. Aren't you glad Eli Ricks kind of isn't like a shithead, like somebody who's like stirring up, making up trouble in the locker room? We thought he was a a couple of weeks ago. Remember, he sent out that cryptic tweet or a message on Instagram. I can't remember what it was, and everybody thought he was about to leave. But, you know, that's, you know, that's I know what happened. you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that he did scare. We did have a scare about a week and a half ago. Right. right. But it hasn't, it hasn't been like a consistent 
like Keishawn Booty earlier from the Johnny Washington Hall. Say, say it. Oh, <laughs> like people knew these were constant pains in the butts of everybody in the locker room all season long. And other than that little tweet from Ricks, you haven't heard a peep out of that guy. You know what I mean? Because if, if he was a problem, it would have came out. But I'm so glad. I think Saban's playing with fire a little bit because you, you're not guaranteed to have a guy, you know, like that who's okay, maybe not been okay with not playing, but, you know, isn't creating a stink because he's not playing. So, well, Lester, why why is he the only but, transfer that's not playing? Jameer Gibbs comes in, slotted as the starter immediately. Jermaine Burton, who might might be the fourth best receiver we have, he right. is logging more snaps than anybody every single week. Like J-Law said, when Henry T came in, boom, immediate starter. Um, I'm missing one. Harold, he's been hurt, um, so I understand that. But Ricks was like the only one, and he, he, was, he was probably – there was a larger gap deficient or deficiency between him and the next guy than any right. other position, position we have. I mean, Gibbs, as good as he is, you know, he's, I mean, he's better than Jace, sure, but it's not like, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure if Jace got his touches that he could have maybe similar numbers, he's been banged up as well. But, you know, Burton is not even close to the best talent we have at wide receiver, and he's, He's seeing the field more than anybody. So why is Rick's the odd man out? I don't know. Maybe he did get hurt. But didn't he come in? He was hurt. Yeah, he had a shoulder surgery. But why not just tell us that? And, right. and guys, Saban said he earned his right to play this week. Exactly. What how, is earning shit. your right to play not just being better than the guy in front of you? When he came in on the second drive of the Texas game. Right, that was that was Kyrie, that was Kyrie Jackson. He didn't play against Texas, but he did play against like what Lamo or something like that. He played against one of the smaller schools, so he he was playing. I mean, he he played in like the first three games of the season. Yeah, obviously been healthy, and then like I said, with all of the plays we've gotten busted on at cornerback, whether it was Kyrie, whether it was Terry on or even Kool-Aid, you know, what's the first question everybody asks, where's Ricks, where's Ricks. And if there was some inside information or they, they wouldn't know if there was inside information on if he was really hurt or not. And nothing, none of that ever came out. It was just simply, he, he, he doesn't practice hard. Saban doesn't like the way he practices. He can't learn the defense. I mean, the guy's a true freshman was like the number one graded man defensive coverage guy in the country, in the country, not the SEC, the country. This guy was brought to Alabama to play man-to-man defense, run his ass out there and play man-to-man defense. I just don't get it. Me neither, homie. It's a mystery, but hey, he's here now, so. All right, um, moving off the uh, Mississippi State game, and guys, we will discuss and break down the LSU game on next week's podcast uh we wanted to to check out check out some games this weekend and and we'll we'll go over lsu next week but um we did want to give we wanted we wanted to grade our positions at the break i guess i know technically we're over halfway but this is our break is in like like major league baseball this is our bye week so j-lo we're going to start with you um Let's do it like we did those top 10 Saban players at, you know, back in the summer when we just started the podcast back up. We'll start with like offensive line, then we'll all three give ours, and then we'll go to the next position. Instead of you just going down all of your offensive and defensive, we'll, uh, that way, in case we have anything we want to argue about. And guys, most of this, y'all see the same thing we do. I mean, most of these are, are going to be very similar. I would be shocked if we had any, um, <clears throat> you know, big time gaps in, in our grades, but you never know. Uh, but most of these are going to be what y'all think too. We're just going to try to give a breakdown. And the way I did it, I'm not sure about you, Jayla. I'll let you explain how you did your list. The way I graded my guys is my preseason expectation for each group and how they performed relative to that. That's how I did mine. But Jayla, let's start with offensive line play. You know, you got the transfer from Tyler. Oh, oh yeah. Tyler Steen immediately slotted in his left tackle as another transfer. I forgot about him. Sorry. But start with the OLJ Law and, and assess your performance for, for them this year so far. Yeah, listen, I'm going to give them – is it okay to grade these guys in two different ways? Because I think pass – Actually, what I did, dude. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, did. Well, even though there's still only seventh in sacks allowed, they're still way better than last year, 1.5 per game. 
Uh, they did give up eight tackles for loss against Mississippi State, but, man, they just give you some weird looks. So I'll just say overall, this team, man, just the, the fact that Bryce, he's been hit a lot, but the sack numbers are just way, way down from the 40 that they gave up last year. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give them probably a B-plus in pass pro, and I'm going to give them a – C plus in running because if you take away the 370 yarders against Arkansas, we're talking about a pedestrian, pedestrian run game. Uh, and it all starts with the offensive line. And I still think that's a personnel problem as well with Booker playing left guard, right guard, left guard, right guard. And he played like 67% of the snaps. So he got the most total snaps for a guard last week, but he played multiple positions. Something I don't understand if he's better playing. This is the things we've been talking about about the OL the last two years. If you think he's going to be better week 12, start playing him in week one. But uh, so, yeah, you know, so B plus pass pro C plus run game overall. I mean, probably right there at a solid B with this offensive line. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't mind. Actually, I thought you were going to go a different way with that. The way I did it was I did it with Seth in there at center and with Dalcourt at center with Seth. I'm going to give them an A, uh, which is one step above your pass pro grade. I think McLaughlin has done a better job <clears throat> with communication, uh, especially on the road against Tennessee. I thought that that was the loudest stadium I've ever been to. It's the loudest stadium I'll ever go to because of the hungriness of that, of that fan base and that crowd and, and how bad they wanted that win. I mean, they, they took the freaking goalpost and they threw them in the river. I mean, how bad do you want it for, for you to do that? And um, plus they're like selling the freaking grass on eBay, <laughs> but um, Seth handled that. Uh, atmosphere tremendously his communication has been a one uh, run blocking has been better than Dow court pass protection better when Seth's in the game so I'm going to give him an a uh, I didn't expect too much out of him I did expect an improvement but I didn't really know about steam steam has been the best offensive lineman we have thought Latham's done a great job of stepping up that right tackle spot which is a huge hole and he didn't have a great freshman year last year you know there was kind of a a swinging gate at, uh, at right tackle last year, and he was involved in that a little bit with Damian George and Chris Owens. So I'm going to give him a, an A with Seth in there and then a B- minus when Dalcourt's on the field. I don't like the communication issues that he poses whenever he plays on the road. It's obvious he, he doesn't run block well enough, and his, his pass pro is also very bad against Texas. You know, he gave up the – should have been a safety against, against Texas in the end zone in that game. So – I'm going to go B minus with Dow Court, which is a, a substantial drop off. And if the coaches can't see it, then then we've got issues heading down the stretch. Lester, what's your offensive line grade so far this year? Um, my O line grade is probably a B, B minus. And I say that specifically because basically all the things that y'all have mentioned have boiled down to one thing, and that's inconsistency. They haven't been consistent, whether it's been with the lineups, with performances, shuffling around, how they perform with different players regarding who's here, who's here, who's here in this spot. So I'm just going to go with a B just because it's, it, there's no consistency there. They're just, they're just all right. So, um, yeah, a B for the offensive line. All right, let's go. Let's go move over to the running backs. Lester, I'm going to stay here with you. Give me your running back grade so far this year. Running back grade, I'm going to go with a um, A minus. Um, specifically because of Gibbs. And when McClellan and those other guys come in, it hasn't been that much of a drop-off. But there's been games this year where it looks like Gibbs is the only one who has a prayer of making anything happen. Now, that's probably because of the, you know, inept of the offense coordinator scheme, what have you, whatever. But Gibbs and company, they have been playmakers, they have been consistent, and they have been strong performers this year. So I'm going to give them an A minus. Jaylaw, what do you have for running backs? Yeah, I'll go B plus only because there's no consistency outside of Jameer Gibbs, who is it's not his fault, but has been a little inconsistent as far as what Alabama likes to do in their run scheme. Um, but man, it's Gibbs just receiving the ball. I mean, that brings the grade way up from what Chase McClellan and really Roydell Williams have done this year. Uh, but still like to see Jamarian Miller. Maybe the playbook's a little tough for him right now. That's always tough for a freshman to come in and play. But um, I need more four-yard runs. 
I mean, so Alabama tells you that if it's not a three-yard play or three-and-a-half-yard play, I think they count it as a negative play. So we need more positive plays out of the run game, and uh, we just don't have the, the guys that can uh, – that push a pile, really. We don't have any in-between-the-tackles guys. Make, probably makes it hard on Bill O'Brien to call run plays with the size of back that we have. But I think overall with the home run power, man, I'll give them a solid B-plus with a with the real – these guys have a high ceiling down the stretch here. They could really get up to an A-minus or a solid A for me. I have it as a, a B-plus also at this position. And a lot of it's, like you said, as good as Gibbs has been, Jason Roydale have been letdowns for me. And – I've never been a huge Roydell fan just because he's always had fumbling problems. Now, he hasn't fumbled yet, but, you know, he trips over his own feet on the fourth down play against Texas. Alabama just hasn't had that big back to go get you that third and one that you have to have, uh, that that second and three or whatever that you just want to try to get a first down, move the chains or whatever. I'd like to see more Jamarian Miller more also. He doesn't have to know the playbook to know, hey, run straight. I'm going to give you the ball, and you go get me a yard because you're 215, 220 pounds. He's by far biggest back. So I'd like to see him more, even if it's short yardage situations. And who knows? I mean, if he comes in on short yardage, all the attention goes to him. You can play action off of that and have a tight end wide open. I mean, it's, it's there's stuff you can do off of it whenever you have certain packages like that. Um, Jace is only averaging about 38 yards a game. I was hoping that him and Gibbs would split touches a little bit more, maybe 60-40, 55-45 or whatever to try to keep Gibbs healthy because he's not the biggest guy. And, and he, he got his shoulder popped against, what, Texas A&M, I believe it was. And um, and he's been nursing that. He heard it again against Mississippi State and went in the tent, but it was able to come, come back in the game. So we need to get him healthy for the stretch because he's about the only one that's been consistent for us. Um, Lester, moving on to receivers, what do you have for that position? I'm really interested to hear this. <laughs> J-Law saying F. What you got, Lester? Uh, receiver. Uh, D plus, C minus? Yeah, yeah, D plus, C minus. It's, it's, it's not – they're not – Good. I, for for all we can say about Bill O'Brien's scheme or whatever, they're still they still have we still don't have defined roles for these receivers. We don't have a burner. We don't have the go-to guy. We don't even have someone that Chase hates. Well, I guess Burton is the slate for Chase this year. But he's getting he's he's becoming that real quick. Getting close, yeah. Like we, the, not that there isn't a burner, not that there isn't a consistent guy, but they haven't stepped up to proving that. Okay, this is the this is that guy. Where's Bryce's safety blanket? Who is it? We know nothing about this wide receiver group, and we are halfway through the season, and they just haven't performed. It's been flashes with. Prentice here and there, or you know, Jojo Earl coming back off his injury, snagging a couple touchdowns. It's been flashes here and there, but there's just not that consistent. This is our guy, this is his role, this is what he does well, this is what where he executes at. So, and also, I'm gonna tie in tight end, so wide receiver two. So, yeah, I'm gonna solidify that D plus because Latu can't block a soul, he's dropping passes. So, yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. D D plus for the receivers and just thank God for Bryce literally. And yeah. And his scrambling ability. Thank the Lord. We don't have Matt Jones or Jake Coker in this offense. We'd be in deep shit, but I'm going to go B for the receivers. Not D as in dog B as in boy simply because guys, I just refuse to believe that our receivers just flat out suck and scheme doesn't have something to do with it. I'm still not so sure that Bryce isn't making the quickest reads. There's been some plays where they they show that camera behind him, and there's guys that are open, and he's looking completely to the other side of the field. Now, it might be that NFL offense where you make one or two reads, and then you immediately check down because you think you don't have any time. But in college, it's a different game. And I think Bryce has gotten so used to scrambling around and making plays in that way because he's been so successful with it. I'm not so sure that that's becoming more and more part of this offense purposefully. 
And that might not be a Bill O'Brien problem. I, I think there's three different factors involved in this. I don't think it's just, oh, our receivers suck. Oh, Bryce isn't doing what he's supposed to. Oh, our scheme sucks. I think it's a combination of all three. I think it's just a lazy way out to, for somebody to be like, oh, our, 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 our receivers just sucked. I mean, Burton, recruiting-wise, coming out of high school, his overall rank was 82nd. Holden's 235. I'll give you that one. But Prentice, 78. JoJo, 47. Brooks, 27. Bond, 52nd. That's five out of our top six receivers that are top 85 overall players. Now, I understand that these recruiting services aren't perfect, but there's no way that they just miss on all five of these guys. There's hella talent on this team at receiver. I truly believe that. Um, you know, also, I mentioned Bryce with the NFL stuff and maybe not making the reads he's supposed to, but guys, Kobe Prentice and Isaiah Bond had like the same 100-meter times that Jalen Waddle had coming out of high school. There's plenty of speed here. It's another lazy argument that we just don't have any speed. It's not true. Now, playmakers, yes, I'll, I'll give you that. We have not had a playmaker that says, throw the damn ball to me. I'm going to put the team on my back. Now, I mean, I just something is off, and I just can't quite put my finger on it. And I truly believe it's a trio of maybe the receivers not running the best routes versus zone coverage and man not knowing when to sit it down. Um, maybe Bryce holding on to the ball too long, making bad pre-snap reads, and Bill O'Brien not having a good scheme to get the receivers open. J-Law, what do you have for this position group? All right, you talked me out of a D-plus to a C-minus with your talk. Listen, for Alabama to not have a receiver ranked in the top 21 in the conference in receiving yards, so you know it's way worse nationally. We went from Judy, Smith, Waddle. Rugs, J-Mo, Mechie. Dude, we, we would die for John Mechie right now. I mean, for at least from, from what we saw them do. And that's why I can't blame this all on Bill O'Brien's scheme because I know Jamison Williams is probably the fastest straight-line runner we've had under Saban. But, dude, I sent you all these guys 40 times and 100-meter times that were listed on the recruiting websites when everybody started talking about their speed. Dude, we have four guys in our wide receiver rotation that clocked under a 4-4-40. That's lightning fast. I'm talking 4-3-2s, 4-3-3. So it can't just be, um, you know, that they're not fast. So something The else lazy excuses that we get. Yeah. Yeah, so it just it can't just be that. I do think it's a combination of a lot of that. But for Alabama to not even have a receiver ranked in the top 20 in the SEC and receiving yards to me is bad. Our third leading receivers are running back. We got a lot of guys fiddling around with about 200 receiving yards. Um, I think that we're playing way too many guys, which I think is what's hurting. I mean, we're running nine different receivers out there each and every ball game. So I think I think that's a problem. So, I'll, man, I'm going to go D-plus with these guys just because they're not helping Bryce out a lot. You know, I know Bryce has missed some time, and a lot of that is but also because we've played the first three of our first four games, the first team played a half of football. I didn't like they were out there to accumulate a lot of yards, but man, somebody's got to get better. Somebody's got to step up. I don't know if it's Wiggins. I don't know. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's Brooks. I don't know if these the players just need to be better. But somebody's got to step up. And I don't think they've done anything to really tell me that they're in the C category, especially considering the amount of not just drops, but big drops that these guys have had on second and ten when you're down seven nothing in Knoxville and or you know things like that where Bryce hits you in the chest with it. Hits to Corey Brooks in the face mask against Arkansas, where you have a chance to go up 28 zip. You drop it. So uh, those are the types of things that I'm looking forward to for them to get better. They can get to a B. It's going to be hard for them to get there, in my opinion. Um, but they can get better. And hopefully, as Bryce practices and gets back in the rhythm of things, that the receivers can get a little better as well. Yeah, I'm not going to excuse the drops. There's, there's no excuse to drop a ball ever, especially one that's uncontested, like we've seen. Um, but J-Law, everybody talks about the deep threat. Just stay on the receivers here for a minute, then we'll go over to defense because we're not going to evaluate Bryce. He is what he is. We won the Heisman Trophy last year. He's going to do what he does. But uh, receiver-wise, every once in a while, it seems everybody talks about the uh, the guy got to take the top ball. Who's going who's gonna to be the guy to take the top ball? And every once in a while, we throw a deep ball and complete it. 
do you think there's just so many different guys running those types of routes? What do you think the reason is that we haven't found that guy that can go over the top? Because we just talked about the speed. It's there. Isaiah Bond, huge catch against Arkansas. And then he had another one against Tennessee. Jermaine Burton had a jump ball, great catch against Tennessee. So it seems like Bond might be the guy, but what what is the reason that Alabama hasn't found that guy? What do, what do you think that could be? Scheme. Scheme. Bill O'Brien. I think J-Law has said it like several times. When was the last time we had a wide receiver running wide open for a catch and a touchdown? Like, have we seen that at all? This I mean, year? Bond against Arkansas was wide ass open. Like he fell down. I mean, well, I that's, that's one. Yeah, I mean, the, the one against Tennessee, Bryce has dropped it in there, but is they're not put in a position to excel and use their full talents. That's simply it. That's the only thing that I can come up with. I mean, I don't. You guys tell me. I don't think they're just put in a position due to this offense where they're spread out, they can run in their own space. But no, like you said, we have all this bunch formation crap, and it's just it's not conducive for what this offense is, is just capable of. It's just not, I don't know. They're not maximizing their talents. Scary. Yeah, yeah. I just think when you, like, Jackson Smith Najigba was the only receiver in front of Ja'Cory Brooks at high school. I mean, JoJo Earl was like the fourth best receiver. I know we, Ajah Hall was up there. Actually, Ajah Hall might have been the third best. We might have got two, three, and four coming out of high school two years ago. One of those isn't on campus, and who knows what Christian Leary's doing? I mean, the, we've. I just, I just don't. Do they not fit inside of what this offense is, in theory, supposed to look like from a Bill O'Brien perspective? I don't know because there's yeah. no way, man. There's just no way that you can draw that it can be hard to get these guys open. Just kind of like high school ball, man. If you have better players, you should be breaking the backs of Arkansas and Ole Misses and Mississippi State's early, like 28 nothing. I mean, like just, just thinking about Tennessee scoring 52 and a half. I don't care if it's UT Martin. It's because guys are running wide open. So, I don't know. I just really don't know what it is, but I don't think it's all their fault. But they do need to the, – the unit as a whole from Wiggins down needs to take some responsibility and say, hey, we've got to be better. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, But at, but at the same time, I do think that – I think there just needs to be more deep shots taken. And, you know, because it seems that most of our plays have come off of scrambled, broken down plays. But I think there just needs to be more called deep shots. Just try it for a game or two. Be like, hey – this is our guy. We're going to run him on this route at this point in the game. If we get a second and two, then this is what we're going to play action, and we're going to take a shot, and you throw it no matter what. It, you know, unless he's double covered and the safety makes a good read on it. But maybe even have two guys. You know, if you, if, you, if you load the box and then they only have one high safety, whichever way the safety doesn't go, you throw it the other way. And Because, I mean, there's always going to be island coverage, um, especially to the field. So if you're on the right hash, line the guy up on the left hash, Double move it and just go. Whether he's got separation or not, let your guy go make a change, go make a play. Because I think that was an issue last year that JMO, I think Bryce was throwing that ball no matter what. And once he saw number one, he was letting it go. And yeah, I understand that guy hadn't emerged, but when you don't have that guy, I think a little bit is also on him. He's going to have to trust somebody, whether it's Burton, whether it's Bond, uh, Prentice, whoever it is running these deep routes, he's going to have to trust somebody and uh, he's going to have to trust him fast. You know, this this needs to happen now. But Lester, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, let's start up front. Defensive line, how would you grade these guys so far? Ooh, uh, defensive line. Okay. Um, C, C minus. I, I, they, for what I expected them to be, Will Anderson, Turner, you know, the emergence of Otis and other guys in the middle, for what I expected them to be, which probably, you know, I know there's some question marks in the middle, but I expected, you know, the guys on the outside to be complete wrecking balls on defense whenever they're on the field. That just ha- we have not seen that position group take over games. 
point blank period. I'm I'm just gonna go with the, with a C minus because I'm just extremely disappointed. Now, I know the underlying you know metrics or stats or whatever. Yeah, they're probably good. Don't get me wrong, but as far as in the moment, in game time, in crunch time, taking over ball games, impacting the game in certain ways is just hasn't happened how we thought it should look not saying that they're not doing what they're not what they're not saying they're not doing what they're supposed to but it just hasn't looked how i expected it to look so i'm going to go with a, a c minus j-law did you grade the d-line including will and dallas or did you include them in your linebacker group because lester went d-line which is fair because i mean we're four two five majority of the time so i didn't i just went with yeah. the, the other guys that were playing how did you grade these yeah, I just I just went with you know interior D line D true D ends with like a Boyd B, but you know I think I think he is right. Those stats feel kind of deceiving about this unit because they do the D line leads the SEC in in yards per carry like two point seven. I mean that's that's pretty good, but it feels like you know against Tennessee when they especially you know when your pass defense is just dying come up with some way I know Will and Dallas didn't do it either but come up with some way stop the run Tennessee ran the ball on us they got they stopped the run against Mississippi State they've been pretty good this year um I'd love a little bit more of an interior push this is a unit right now that's banged up without a Boydby and we've been without a Boydby since the Arkansas game that guy's a that's a fourth fifth year guy that's been in the system a long time that's a heck of a player that'll probably be back for LSU and that's when this unit was clicking so um, but I, I, I give these guys, I'm going to give them an A, A minus A. I'd love to see them take over more, stop the run. I'm looking for more tackles for loss in the run game because kind of disruptive in the middle. You know, it's good to give up 2.7, but how about we get some, you know, stops in the backfield on run plays would be great. Yeah, some zero yarders, minus ones would be great. Um and, and you know that's that's where those come from is the interior D line because you know most of the time you've got edge rushers. It's a lot harder to tell when a team is going to run the ball in the spread era. You know, twenty years ago you lined up in the power eye. Well, I mean, guess guess what we think is coming? It's a damn run play. Um, so it was easier to to have your whole defensive line guessing run a lot easier than it is now. Um, so yeah, it is up to those interior guys. This is where we're we're different on this because Lester says C minus. You said A or A minus. I'm going C plus here. I, I don't. I never liked DJ Dale since he stepped on campus. He wasn't a highly touted recruit. I don't think he's developed right. I understand he had the knee injury, but this year, all you hear about he's healthy. He's healthy. He's going to be a force. He hasn't been. Um, you're having to bring in like Jameer Burrows to get a pass rush and like the cheetah package from the interior, uh, and. I'm not saying it's easy to make plays as an interior defensive lineman in this defense, but you've had guys in the past that have done it. You've had your Jonathan Allens, your Quentin Williams, your Deron Paynes, um, and uh, Christian Barmores, who have made hella plays from that interior defensive tackle spot, and these guys just haven't done it. I thought Byron Young played well early in the year. I think he's fallen off quite a bit. Um DJ Dale, like I mentioned, Tim Smith, we're getting nothing out of him. He got bullied around against Tennessee so much so that that Damon Payne had to play a lot against Mississippi State because Tim Smith did not do a thing against Tennessee. And look, whenever you have so much attention on one player like you do with Will Anderson um, in the pass game and the run game, it's very important that your other three guys – um, get get pressure and, and 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 make stops against the run. And these guys have not done it to the level that I expected them to. Especially Dallas Turner. I know he's a linebacker. He is included in my linebackers, but they're a C plus also uh, for me. But I, I'm going to give these guys a C plus. This has been a little bit of a letdown uh, relative to what I thought they would be. Lester, go to your linebackers. You, you just heard mine. Mine's a C plus. I'll explain it a little bit, but I want to hear your explanation first. What you got? Linebackers, I'll go B. They, they've been where they're supposed to be. They haven't. They've just been. They haven't been spectacular, and they haven't been bad. Um, Henry T. Um, 
you know, getting guys lined up, doing what they're supposed to do. They're just there. They're just doing their jobs. I'm going to go with B. They haven't been good. They they haven't been spectacular. They haven't been great as far as, like, playmakers. And they haven't been terrible. Uh, We have a very solid linebacker group, so I'm just going to go with B. Yeah, I'm still going to stick with my C+. I think Henry T has been – Really bad blitz blitz wise. He is ra- he rarely gets home whenever he blitzes, which is a lot. They don't like him in man coverage, obviously. And then once again, he makes a lot of tackles anywhere from five to nine yards downfield. It's rare that he fills a hole and stuffs a guy a yard and a half deep in the backfield, which will help in your tackles per loss. Um, I think Moody's played well. He, he's still a little banged up, so we look for him to get healthy during the bye week. But uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to include Dallas and Will in this. And I don't think there's been a bigger disappointment on the team to me than Will Anderson, because this guy all preseason, he he runs his mouth every week in an interview. He runs his mouth. He said something. I mean, <laughs> and and yet he goes on Saturday, just another sackless performance by Will Anderson. He's got like five sacks in the year, but. Or were they all against like Vandy and Lamo or something like that? I, I'm, I'd like to know how many sacks he got against, you know, Texas and Tennessee, Arkansas and, um, and Mississippi State. But uh, I'm, I, believe, I'm, I believe it's two or fewer if I'm, if I'm correct on that. But anyway, uh, it, for, for what he was expected to do relative to what he's done against big-time opponents. You know, the saying, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and he has not done any of that. So I'm going C-plus my linebackers. J-Law, what's yours? Yeah, I'll go B with these guys. But I just think our trouble in the back end has made us be a really harsh on this defense. Really, maybe just one game overall has made us be pretty harsh on this. And remember that Pete Golding had Will Anderson dropping into coverage and Dallas Turner in coverage versus Tennessee, a team that wanted to throw it 55 times on us. Um, I did pull up Will Anderson's sack numbers this year versus Power 5. He actually has five, but I think I don't think any of those were like Texas and the bigger teams we played, so that could include uh, Vandy and some of the other bad teams that we played this year. But he has been a heck of a QB hurry guy. He still leads the nation in quarterback hurries and quarterback pressures, so – I'll give Will Anderson his credit. I think on the other side of the defensive line at the other D or outside linebacker spot, that's probably been the biggest disappointment for me because you're thinking that Dallas Turner is going to have free run to the quarterback. And this guy, uh, his sack numbers just aren't, aren't great at all. Let me pull him up. I know it gets power five. He has two. Um, yeah, he's not even in the top. He's in the top 19. So he has two and a half sacks on the year. That's not enough for Dallas Turner, especially with how freaking good he was down the stretch last year. Um, you know, Deontay Lawson is not as good as Jalen Moody. Um, so and they said Lawson was banged up last week. I'd like to think that Moody earned his spot back after being the only guy on the defense with the nuts to walk into Pete Golding's office and tell him that he's fucking up. You would hope that would be Will Anderson or somebody else, but Jalen Moody had to come out there and actually be the dog that we, somebody that we needed um, so, man, I'll give them a, a B. I'm, you could even go down to a B minus. I think they're good. They're not great. This is not an elite, especially uh, in interior linebacker group at all, but they're pretty good. Um, they could be better, but they could be, to me, much worse. I'm looking for Will and Dallas to turn it up a notch, especially with Eli Ricks making it where quarterbacks can't do a two-step drop and throw it up anymore because they know that their guy's got a 75% chance of catching the ball 15 to 20 yards downfield against Arnold. Make quarterbacks think a split second longer about what they have to do. I'm looking for our defensive or outside linebackers to get a lot more QB hurries, pressures, and sacks down the stretch. Yeah, he does have – he has five sacks against Power 5. Two and a half were against Vanderbilt. I had to look up his game log, but – uh. Yeah, he did get one against Miss State. I missed that, so I apologize. Well, so he has two and a half against the the big teams that we play. But yeah, you're you're right about how the one game against Tennessee has us shook about this defense. But at the same time, that's the best team he played all year. You, you Nick Saban's done this for a long time. I have personally asked Freddie Roach how much of the film that they have on other teams, do they actually see 
each week on these on you know in these games and he said very little so they know they know that other teams are are prepping for them year round so i don't understand how you come up with this scheme against tennessee did you not think it was going to be a hostile a, a, a hostile environment and i understand these guys have no idea about the tennessee rivalry because as long as they've been here they've won they have no idea how bad that fan base hates us they have no idea how much they want to I mean, I'll be shot. The Jermaine Burton situation happened. I'm shot that one of our players didn't get jumped on. I was fully expecting that after that game. I kept scrolling message boards and scrolling on three, trying to just waiting for that post. Oh, Bryce Young gets trampled by 30 people and gets some shit beat out of him because that, and honestly, I don't see how that's never happened. I'm sure it has, but I'm surprised that doesn't happen more. Because these guys hate us, and you've got everybody's drunk in the student section coming out there. They've been drinking for, I mean, 12-plus hours by that point. And um, so, yeah, I think rightfully so, though, because that's a college football playoff-type team, and that's the performance that you gave us. Now, it doesn't matter if if you're going to sit here and say – that, oh, we take it one game at a time. You know, we prep for this team and this week. There's no way you should ever prep for Vanderbilt, Utah State, Louisiana, Monroe. That should never happen. Tennessee prep should have been done that week. And you're like, okay, where's my weakness in my defense? Do some self-evaluating. So you're right that that one game has us gassed up about this defense, but I think rightfully so because that's by far the best team you played. I know Texas would have beat you if they had their quarterback the whole game. That was another game that you just weren't schematically prepared for and that falls directly on your head coach and your coordinators um lester last one rolling over to the defensive backs who we've bagged on so much this year what do you have them graded at well this is tough because we got eli rickson there now um i'm talking i'm talking hey look eight games do all eight games and if you want to do with ricks with or without but i mean you've only got what 60 plays from rick Right. Um, they're 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 in that C minus D plus range, honestly. Um because they have been underwhelming all year long. All year long. And that was another group. I don't even think, you know, I think like without Ricks, that was another group we thought that would do good. You know what I mean? We had high expectations for the defense as a whole. Um, but certainly for the secondary, so I'm going to say C minus D plus. Now, at the end of the season, that's certainly going to jump up from there if Reeks continues to ball out and Kool Aid continues to ball out. And now guys are playing their correct positions and they can, you know, thump like they're supposed to. But yeah, they've been underwhelming this year, especially after getting their, you know, brains blown out against Tennessee. So, yeah, all summer, all, all we talked about was. Yeah, you got Kool-Aid on one side, Ricks on the other. Nobody even thought about mentioning Terion Arnold or even, you know, we're like, maybe Kyrie can slide that star or whatever, and Branch can do this, blah, blah, blah. If Malachi can't do it. But all in all, you're like, oh, this is a good problem to have because you got two lockdown corners, Ritz Kool-Aid, Ricks Kool-Aid. Nobody was ever mentioned. Or Arnold, nobody else was ever mentioned over Ricks and Kool-Aid. And so that was just a given based off of what he had done at LSU and the talent that he was bringing in. So I give it a C minus also, Lester, just because of, like you said, this is, you have two senior safeties. You have a senior star player and a Brian branch. You have a third year guy, Malachi Moore, who's been banged up. He's finally healthy. You have Kool-Aid who improved a lot in the all season. We expect to big things out of him. And I think he's at post Texas game. I think he's done really well for us. But um, you know that other corner slot that that just that brings the whole secondary down. I understand Tennessee did some matchup things to get Hyatt on Helms. It's exactly what they wanted to do, and they just ran by him. They ran by Malachi. They ran by everybody that day. And so that performance for me is not going to be overlooked. That's the best team you played. You didn't come to play. You were anxious or whatever kind of excuse they made that game. So I'm going to give you a C plus. J Law, how do you analyze this secondary? I mean, I'll go C minus. I mean, they have been they haven't been good. And listen, the problem with these guys is they let Haynes King do what Haynes King did, especially down the stretch. Could not get off the field. It was because of the DBs. 
um, with Quinn Ewers, Ewers, whatever his last name is, was torching us. He gets hurt. So I'm going to take the Texas game for the first two drives that he's played and say, man, these guys were in trouble big time. And then what Hendon Hooker did to us, I can't, I can't, I can't give these guys a pass. I can't say it was just one bad game for the secondary when they let one guy score five touchdowns and four of his catches were just free runs to the end zone. Um, they listen there, they haven't been very good. I don't think this the maybe they were necessarily put in the best position to be successful in some of these games, but you at some point, man, you got to let your guys be guys and finally that we have those guys on the field. So with Ricks, man, this could be, I mean, this could be day and night until the end of the year with what this defensive back unit looks like. But through eight games, man, C minus is probably being pretty good to these guys, but it's tough because you're grading them as a unit, but we all know that it's on, it's on that one side that has been, that's been a problem. Yeah. I think I actually said C plus earlier. I give it a C minus as well. So we all three have C minuses for the secondary. I think we all agree. Reichard's been maybe a D compared or relative to what we thought of him coming into the season uh you know missed two against texas a&m missed a big one against tennessee once again maybe not put in the best position to kick that ball but he's still under 50 yards you expect it to go through he's a third or fourth year guy kicked a lot of field goals for alabama so you expect more out of him hopefully he can reset his mind because i think it's more of a mental thing than anything so hopefully everything resets during the bye week um, we'll get some practice updates, see what's been going on, and um, check back in next week with some LSU prep. And uh, we'll talk Auburn, Arkansas. We'll talk about maybe Auburn season a little bit since we don't ha- we won't have an Alabama game to break down. Um, LSU's on a bye week as well, so we won't have a game for them. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to bounce out of here, guys. This is episode seventy five, Gunbrenner's podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll see you guys next week.